Greetings, beloved humans. You're listening to Keeping It Real with Janine, your guide to living an authentic, healthy life. Today, Chris Skye is back for what I am sure will be another exciting conversation. For those of you who don't know Chris, he's a motivational speaker and prolific human rights advocate. He presents just the facts with articulate delivery to find the truth, the truth that is intentionally kept hidden from us. Chris Guy not only provides the knowledge to assert your rights and preserve your freedoms, he leads by example, and he puts his life on the line every single day. I don't know how many times that poor guy's been arrested. 23 sure. in 25 months. Wow, God. Ah, uh, ah. Uh. His mission to help and educate others has seen him targeted and persecuted by the Canadian government in previously unspeakable ways. But now they're becoming commonplace as much of the world slides steadily towards tyranny. I often tell people that Chris, I feel, has done more for the cause of freedom in Canada than anyone else. Hi, Chris. Welcome back. Hi, and thank you for that compliment. It was really appreciated. <laughs> I really do say it a lot. I, and every once in a while, I find somebody who doesn't know who you are. And I'm like, are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what rock have you been <laughs> under? <laughs> they've been hiding. Uh, they've been hiding behind a mask and took one too many jabs that they don't know. Is that funny or not? You know, it's one of those things. That... <laughs> it, it, it makes you laugh, but at the, at the end, you sigh. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. Wow. Well, you've been busy. I was following your, we'll call them escapades in Europe. That sounded uh -huh. really exciting. You've been in Mexico. So we're going to, one of the things we're going to talk about today is, well, I guess I'd call it maybe a program that you've been offering for people who want Mexican residency. Let's also talk about some of the things that are going on right now just in case people aren't aware of like this land grab thing that I, I was just listening to on Odessa's program. I, that really shocked me how they've, because we've all been hearing, oh, you know, the, the psychopaths, they want, you know, they're trying to get everybody's land and, but how are they going to do that? Well, that, that, that was really, a, that's, that's a good segue. Cause that's, that's really why I started the world tour because I, I started the world tour at a time where we just got rid of our mandate so we could finally travel unmasked, unjabbed, uh, untested, et cetera, to most of the world. So basically everybody was under the impression that this was all over, that they survived <laughs> the last two years, jabbed or not. And now everything is basically back to quote unquote normal. And it couldn't be further from the truth. Obviously they only let up because we did things like the trucker convoy and we had a mass united non-compliance all around the world to the point where people just refused to take another shot and, and, and enough people decided they didn't want to wear a mask that they could no longer impose the mandates. Mm -hmm. So my tour was to tell people that they haven't stopped. They literally just changed tactics once again, just like when this all started, they were the benevolent government that was just there to try to help you. And then when everybody realized that they, they were being lied to, they turned into the tyrannical government that tried to force mandates upon you and tried to force uh, threats of even arrest or fines if you were unvaccinated. So now they're trying to do something different. Now they want to get all the same things put in place. And by the same things, what do I mean? I mean, they still want their universal basic income. They still want their biometric digital ID. And they still want us all on a, a cashless digital currency system. Mm -hmm. And COVID was the way to get every get that infrastructure in place and start to assimilate us to the idea that our rights and freedoms 
are not only no, uh, not paramount to a successful society as they always have been. In fact, people fought wars, world wars to protect individual rights and freedoms. But right. COVID trained people to believe that individual rights and freedoms are selfish and mm -hmm. dangerous mm -hmm. and mass compliance is the new virtue, not bravery, not standing up for yourself or protecting your friends and family. No, compliance and, un and unquestioning is the new virtue. And rights and freedoms are now selfish and dangerous, definitely not worth fighting over. Meanwhile, right. now they want to bring us into a new era of doing the exact same thing with climate change. Because mm -hmm. just like everybody got tired of the mass and not enough people took the jabs, a pandemic can only last so long. Climate mm -hmm. crisis is last generations. So under the guise of climate change, they can put in new laws that basically accomplish the same thing that COVID did. Only now they get to say you're anti-environment, anti anti-global, et cetera, and they still get the same control over you. What am I talking about? Well, we went to the Netherlands because in the Netherlands, they passed a law under the guise of climate change that's going to kill about 30% of the food supply in the Netherlands under the guise of protecting us from too much nitrogen. Nitrogen is the new scapegoat. And the number one producer of nitrogen in the world is the agricultural system. So they targeted the Netherlands because Netherlands is the number one food supplier for all of Europe. And if their food industry goes down, the Netherlands goes down. So that's why they're having a massive protest there with farmers and ranchers like we were having with our truckers. And I got invited to speak down there. I also got invited to speak in England, Ireland. We went through France, Germany uh, and uh, and Belgium as well. And mm -hmm. in, in England, I spoke the weekend that the queen was actually being buried. And I noticed that in the, just like they're attacking the weakness in the Netherlands, which is their food supply, it's their strength. So it's also mm -hmm. their weakness. In England, they were doing the exact same thing. And in England, the oh, you just, is you just broke feeling up. like they don't matter. Because, can you, sorry, can you hear me? Uh, now it's okay. Yeah, just go back to the beginning of your sentence because it was breaking up. No problem. So I was saying that I noticed that the globalists are targeting the weakness of each European country. And the, or the strength in this case to make them weak, which was the Netherlands food supply under the guise of climate change. Uh, and in England, the weakness there is the monarchy. Everybody mm -hmm. truly believes in that monarchy. They truly believe that those people are exalted, that they're somehow better than everyone else. And they want to instill that into the general public because if you feel inferior, if you feel like you don't matter, if you truly feel that they're superior, you'll do what they tell you. So I had to remind people when the queen was dying and they spent millions and millions of the people's tax dollars on her funeral for this giant spectacle for the entire world to see. I had to remind them, what's more important? Would you be more upset about the queen dying or would you be more upset at your own mother, or your own sister, or your own wife dying? And obviously mm -hmm. they agreed with me that they would be more upset if their own if their own family member died. So I, I have hope to remind so. the people that they matter and what matters is worth protecting. So they need to stand up and protect their kids. But what else was going on in England that day? All the world leaders were meeting there, 500 of them. The same exact time I was there, Joe Biden, Justin Trudeau, and 500 other world leaders were there. What were they discussing? They were discussing the change from the COVID pandemic to the new way to try to get us all to submit. And the new way to get us all to submit is a global worldwide orchestrated recession with the climate change agenda 
mixed in. When you combine those two things, you end up in a position to literally make every single thing every person on earth needs to survive more expensive every single month. Food, water, energy, gas, insurance, housing costs, every cost of living that is normally a fixed cost of living is slated to increase month over month. They're literally planning to starve the people into submission because 99% of the population is on some type of fixed budget income. Whatever mm -hmm. their budget is, 99% of the people have a budget. So right. if every single thing you use to get to survive gets more expensive via inflation and other hidden costs every single month, how long, how many months is it going to be until 10 or 20% of the population can't pay their bills? Six yeah. months, nine months. And when you get to a point where 30, 40% of the population can't pay their bills, all the government has to do is introduce the universal basic income. Mm -hmm. And all you're going to have to do to take the universal basic income is submit to the digital ID, which is a biometric digital ID that uses your iris, your fingerprints, your facial recognition, even your voice to identify you for every single transaction you will ever make. Even buying, even buying a beer at a hockey game or a baseball game. If you walk in there right now, they have these Amazon kiosks where they try to scan your hand, handprint, and you put in your credit card. So it links your handprint to your credit card. So now mm. if you want to buy a hot dog, you want to buy a beer, you want to buy anything, you need to use that handprint. You can't even use cash. You can't even use a debit card. So now they know exactly who you are, exactly what you purchased, exactly where you purchased it. How long is it going to be before they have the tracking in place that says, oh, it looks like you bought three beers tonight in a two hour span. That might be over the limit. And then they're waiting for you outside but before you can even get to your car to arrest you. Mm -hmm. That's the society they want where you cannot even get a beer at a hockey game without them having a catalog in their little file about you. And not only will they know everything about you, they will get to approve every transaction. They will get to tax every transaction. So imagine we went into another round of lockdowns and imagine, imagine climate lockdowns. Imagine we get to the point where they tell us the only reason we haven't died from climate change already is because of the COVID lockdowns and the lack of human activity <laughs> helped the country, uh, help the world recover. And we need to do that again. So they start putting us through the same type of lockdowns, but only under the guise of climate change. That is the new goal they want to have because they can put those lockdowns in whenever they want, how they want. And if you are on a digital currency with a digital identity, they control every single thing you do. If they tell you you're on lockdown, you can't go more than five kilometers from your house. Well, first you'll get into your electric car if you can even own one. <laughs> I was going to say, yep. Yeah, the electric turn it car. Off. Mm -hmm. So then you're going to have to get on your old pedal bike because your electric bike probably won't even work. And if you happen to pedal more than five kilometers from your house and you try to go to the store and buy something, guess what? As soon as it identifies you, it's going to show that you're outside your five kilometer radius that you are allowed to be. So now your digital wallet, it just won't work. You won't be able to buy anything. And if you go to a store that's in your five kilometer radius and you want something from a specific aisle, that might be a so-called non-essential item. So mm -hmm. they don't allow you to buy it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They have control over everything. And then the final nail in the coffin that makes this technocratic control grid foolproof 
for generations to come where they're so confident, they literally make ads telling you, you will owe nothing and be happy. You know what that is? Mm -hmm. The linchpin, your digital currency, that is the only money you're going to have access to, will be made to expire. So if you don't spend the money you make within a certain amount of time, the government will come and reclaim it under the auspice that you're hoarding more than you need. And just so everybody realizes, this is already happening in China. This is not like, uh, you know, some some fantasy happening in China, 110 countries around the world, which make up over 97% of the world's gross domestic product are working on their own digital currencies as we speak. And so far, 13 countries have already launched it. The latest, I believe the latest country to launch it was either Barbados or Nigeria. And you're going to say why Barbados, all these little island countries are Mm. doing it because they're so small and have tiny economies. Mm. So they know they can do it and get away with it. Why did they try Nigeria? Because in Nigeria, 11% of the population uses Bitcoin and other types of uh, cryptocurrency. So they figured Nigeria would be one of the first countries that would be rushing to adopt a central bank digital currency. Well, guess what? Less than one out of 300 people are, are using it because they know if they go to a global, a digital currency that's controlled by the government, the government will have complete control over not only what you can buy, not only when you can buy it or where you can buy it from, but then they can tell you that your money expires. That way you can work 10 jobs. You can work as much overtime as you want. You can have as many side businesses as you want. If there's no cash and no other way for you to store income, you can never get ahead. You can never increase your status or your standard of living. You can never pass anything on to a future generation. So you are literally an indentured slave for generations to come with no way out of it. That is exactly where they're trying to bring this. And if you're wondering if they're trying to do the exact same thing in Canada with the climate change agenda, Trudeau just made... The International Center for Climate Change, which is a climate change police force. It, and they're building a massive facility right now. I believe it's in uh, Winnipeg or Saskatchewan. I can't remember, so I don't want to misspeak, but it's in one of the two places, Manitoba or Saskatchewan. And it's a massive base for the new climate change police. And they have an armory, so they're armed. They have arrest powers, just like a normal police officer. They have interrogation rooms so they can arrest you and bring you there for questioning. They have holding cells and they have their own jail. So going forward, when they start trying to put the screws to farmers that they don't like, they're going to send these specialized police units with guns to these farms to enforce Trudeau's environmental policies. Oh, because I forgot to mention, Trudeau signed the exact same policies that the Netherlands signed into place. He's going under the guise that nitrogen is going to kill us all. So we need to reduce nitrogen emissions by 30% by 2030. You know, the special agenda 2030 or else we're all going to die. And he knows this is going to absolutely devastate farmers. And on top of that, we only have one major lender for our agricultural industry in Canada. Uh, The International Credit Corp, I believe it's called. Farm Credit Corp. And they already got caught. We exposed this with a lawyer, they got caught colluding with the RCMP to obtain the GoFundMe and give, send, go contacts 
to see which people in the farming industry in Canada donated or supported the trucker convoys. And guess what they did to those people? They used this government-owned credit facility. Let's say that again. It's a government-owned credit facility for our farmers to go after the individuals specifically who supported freedom and supported the trucker convoy. So if you had a loan for a massive amount of uh, some of your tractors, Mm -hmm. your loans got recalled or they upped the interest rate on you to the point where it didn't make sense and you had to cancel the loan. You understand? Or they just won't give you a loan to, to begin with. And they're trying to put all the farmers that are going against this out of business, just like they tried to put all the small business owners who wanted to think for themselves out of business. This is a giant consolidation of wealth and power. And like you said, they're trying to come in under the guise of climate change to take over people's properties. And you talk about the the UNDRIP that just happened in Mm -hmm. um, British Columbia, which allows them under the guise of indigenous lands to basically expropriate any lands they deem necessary. And expropriation means they just take it from you. They don't Mm -hmm. pay you anything for it. Mm -hmm. And you don't get any credit whatsoever. They basically just come and rob you. But it's okay because they made it they made it legal under this law. But they're already doing things like that. I don't know if you realize this, but about a month ago, a month and a half ago, uh, Christia Freeland went to Alberta. And there was a viral video that came out of it where a guy is screaming at her in a public building and telling her to get out of there. And she basically runs away with her security and everybody laughs and thinks it's a great video and cheers. But nobody asked why she was there in the first place. She was doing exactly what you're trying to warn everybody of. She was coming there to expropriate people's land, steal their resources, steal their land and give them nothing for it. How? In Alberta, right along the center, there's a beltway to allow caribou to migrate. It's one of the richest areas for oil, mineral, and farming in all of Canada. So they went there, and under the guise of the new UN climate change agenda, Agenda 2030, they said, oh, we need to really protect these caribou. We're not protecting them enough. So we're going to protect them more by expanding the protected area by over 300%. So now all that extra land that they just deemed is now public land. You might have had oil wells on it, making you all kinds of money. You might have had a a mining facility on it. Well, that all belongs to the the government now. And I'm sure they're going to shut it down for the caribous and not just keep using it to make money once they get it in their grubby hands. That's exactly what's going on right now. And that's why I tried to reach out to all the wealthy individuals in Canada. I'm talking about the ultra high net worth individuals. Mm -hmm. And we're talking about people with hundreds of millions of dollars that think they can sit on the sidelines and think that they're going to be able to get their families through this. Well, they're going to come after you once they got the masses under control. Anybody that has wealth that is not specifically connected to these people are in their crosshairs. So you're not going to be okay. And that was one of the reasons that I uh, went and got a second residency in another country, because as we can see, they're trying to bring the mandates back. Mm-hmm. right now mm-hmm. as we speak in fact they already brought mass mandates back in windsor ontario in public facilities they extended mass mandates in uh, all alberta ahs healthcare facilities and when you walk in there the mandates are supposed to only apply to the workers but my wife went to get blood the other day and suppose and guess what they tried to force her to wear a mask she had to show her doctor exemption or they would not help her so there are mandates still in place same thing in nova scotia and they are trying to bring them back and we all know that if they bring back travel mandates, people like me that are unjabbed will not be allowed to leave Canada because the U.S. will not allow you in. So you can't drive. 
Mm-hmm. And if Trudeau says you can't fly, you won't be able to fly. However, if you're internationally nomadic, which is a term I've created for uh, <laughs> the new age, and you either have a second citizenship or second residency in another country, you can fly out to that country unjabbed, no matter what. Oh. And if your country is a country like Mexico that won't ever have travel restrictions, once you fly from Canada to Mexico, you can fly anywhere in the world. And then because you're still a Canadian citizen, you can fly back to Canada without the jab and without worrying about the testing or the quarantining or any of that. So you basically get to retain your freedom and come and go from your country as you please, which in 2022 sounds like some kind of crazy privilege only for the elite. But in reality, that's how life is supposed to be. So uh, I ended up getting a residency in Mexico. A friend of mine has an agency that does it. That's how I got it. It's like a relocation agency he also does real estate. So because most of the people that get a uh, place end up wanting to invest down there. So he does real estate. He does the relocation services for all different parts of Mexico. So I ended up going through the process and this guy's a very good friend of mine. I know him very well. So I, I, that's why I trusted him in the first place because mm-hmm. it's not a cheap process. It's not right. an easy process. And it involves uh, appointment in your home country, wherever your passport is. And then two separate appointments in Mexico to get this residency. But I went through it all and I got it exactly as I was supposed to and smoother than I anticipated. And the only thing I can start telling people is get one and get it as fast as you can, because the wait times are going to be absolutely insane. And what do I mean by that? I mean, if you tried to do this even in January, February 2022, you could get an appointment at a Canadian Mexican consulate in about 10 days. Pretty good. And then if you had mm-hmm. a proper relocation team working on it, you can get your appointments in Mexico in no time and you could get everything done. Well, I went in August and even using the connections and the experience and the, this that his uh, agency has, I had to wait all the way until October 24th to get my initial appointment in Ontario. So when I ended up and then I ended up going to Mexico on October 26th because everything was prearranged. And on October 31st, I did the two appointments for myself and my wife. And we ended up getting our cards processed and delivered to us the same day. We were extremely fortunate in that regard. So we went to the first appointment, October 24th in Canada. And by October 31st in Mexico, we both had our temporary uh, uh, visas and they last for a year and it only costs $200 to renew. And it's a lot easier to renew it than it is to get it in the first place. Mm -hmm. And now you can leave Canada unjabbed, even under restrictions. Now you can live, work, invest, buy real estate, get a driver's license, get a bank account in Mexico. So it gives you a lot more freedom. It gives you a lot more thing. So I, I, while I was still in Mexico, and I saw the writing on the wall that the, uh, that the trend was longer and longer wait times as more and more people want to do this. Not just from Canada, not just from the United States. We're getting people from Russia, UK, Australia, et cetera. And in the UK, for instance, there's only one consulate for the entire country of over 50 million people. So if you can imagine wow. the amount of wait times <laughs> that people are going to vote. So that's why I made a video and I told everybody about this wonderful opportunity because Mexico is one of the places where you can get it for the least amount of money. Most places require significant property investment or business ties or other things. Okay. Uh, so we gave, I, I, I gave everybody the option and I told everybody, get in on this ASAP. And I literally told people days matter on this. And I got flooded. I'm not, I'm not even exaggerating with hundreds and hundreds. I couldn't even count. It, it, was, it was probably less than a thousand, but over 500 
in just a few days wow. of inquiries. Mm-hmm. And obviously the website that we were, I was sending them all to my buddy's website got overwhelmed. And then we got <laughs> to the point where he, he even asked that we couldn't take any more, uh, any more customers or any more potential people because they're so rammed. There's record numbers of people. And you can check this online to verify from all different countries trying to do exactly what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So, and now they're even talking about how in 2023, they might change the process. Now they could change the process mm-hmm. and make it harder, or they could change the process and make it easier and right. more expensive. Now, in mm-hmm. my opinion, if they were smart, they would change it to make it easier and more expensive because they realize they have such a hot commodity that everybody in the world wants right now. And all they're attracting, it's not like Canada that's bringing in refugees yeah. that don't speak the language, <laughs> don't have any skills, don't have any money. To get one of these residencies in Mexico, the very first appointment at the consulate in your home country is where you need to financially qualify. So they're only allowing people to come in who have the means to take care of themselves. They're only allowing people to come in that will actually bring uh, bring wealth and bring development and bring an uh, increase in Mexico's standard of living. And they're actually bringing in people that have the same kind of beliefs. You're not going to go to a school in Mexico and hear any of the teachers tell their kids they can identify as a cat <laughs> or choose their gender. That stuff doesn't fly over there. And that's one of the other reasons I wanted to go down there because I'm going to be having a kid probably next year, I hope. Mm -hmm. And by the time it's ready for school, it's not going to be learning about gender identity theory. I'll tell you that much. Right. I hear you. So that's what's going on in Mexico. For anybody who actually wants, uh, because I'm still getting all kinds of things, I'm putting everybody into my email waiting list because as it it could change in a week, it could Mm -hmm. change in two weeks, or people might have to wait until 2023. And then a whole slew of appointments might be able to be booked again. But if you don't go on the list, you're not going to get a chance. And we helped, we helped a lot of people. Uh, My my friend's like an angel. I'm not gonna lie. He's literally (laughs) like a freaking angel. All he does is help people work with charity groups. He's he's a really fantastic guy. And in fact, he's coming back to Alberta tomorrow. So I'm going to be with him in a couple days, which is pretty cool. And then I'm going back to Mexico December 15th. I'm actually hosting a Christmas party in Mexico on the 17th because unbeknownst to me, when I went down there for the first time, there is a massive freedom fighter community, especially Mm -hmm. in Playa del Carmen area. And I'm talking Mm -hmm. thousands of people from Canada and the U.S. And what do they all have in common? Two things. They all left their countries because they couldn't stand the COVID bullshit. And because they all left their countries because they can't stand the COVID bullshit, they all seem to know who I was. So I was actually getting more, more attention and recognition walking around Mexico than I do even in Canada, which was really creepy in a good way. So it, it's it, for anybody, and that was the other reason I really wanted to help anybody who wanted to get over there because you'll be like so pleasantly surprised because you will feel like you're not alone. You'll feel like you're in a place where everybody thinks and feels like you only they're not afraid to say so mm-hmm. it's actually a really good feeling and the, and the fact that it's not snowing and minus 20 also doesn't hurt yeah boy that's for sure yeah and i've noticed that most people go like the puerto vallarta you know that that kind of area the other coast but i i really like the yucatan that's that's my favorite i just there's something about the mayan influence um i really like the people in the yucatan and um the whole the whole east coast has a lot of different places that people can visit and they're all close enough that they can visit them all in one trip because people mm-hmm. will land in cancun because that's the airport mm-hmm. there's cancun 
just south of Cancun, uh, about 30 minutes, you got Playa del Carmen. Yep. Uh, and then you got the Mayan Riviera right there as well, like mm-hmm. literally right there. And then you just keep going a little further south, another 20 minutes, and you're in Puerto Aventuras, which not too many people know about, but it's literally a gated city. And it's where all the wealthiest and, and it's a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, foreigners come to settle. Because is that near even... Akumal? I'm not sure where that is. But it's, it's uh, Puerto Aventuras is literally right in between Tulum and Playa del Carmen. Tulum is about 30 minutes south and Playa is about 20 minutes north. Drive. Right. So it's it's. Yeah. And Akumal is in there, too. So it's. Yes, it's... actually. Now, OK, when you said it again, I heard you right. Yes. And Akumal's right in there as well. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. all within a fifth, like less than an hour drive of each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and then I've been and, looking north of Cancun, too, in the Merida area. Um, I, I never went that far north myself. Well, one of the things that I like, they get winds up there, but they don't get the hurricanes that they do farther south. Yeah, I I, uh, I didn't really get. Well, I know for a fact that Puerto Aventuras is a very safe place because you can't even get in there unless you live there or you have uh, or you have um, business within the city. And mm-hmm. you literally just see kids everywhere without their parents just running around being free. Nice. They can nice. even rent golf carts and drive around like they're <laughs> like on the roads. It's 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 a really it's a really nice atmosphere. It's like a, it's like a giant resort, but it's an actual city with multiple resorts, multiple housing developments, condo developments, stores, restaurants, a marina. Etc. Nice. Etc. Etc. Nice. But no, it's it's a it's a good area. It's a great place to, to go for vacation, and it's for Canadians and Americans. It makes a very a very attractive option for a second residency because it's it was relatively easy to get. It was relatively inexpensive to get compared to other countries where they want you to do like a significant real estate or business investment, and it's in close proximity, so it's easy for everybody to fly to. Mm-hmm. So. And even in Canada, you can pretty much get a direct flight to Mexico from virtually every province. Right, right. So, Chris, what does it take then for somebody who's interested? Where do they start? What what, what can you expect? I can outline the process and yeah. I'll, I'll give my email out. So if anybody wants to go on the email uh, list, because I am getting back to people daily, even though uh, even though we were, we were told we can't take any more people on at the moment. But obviously things change on a day by day basis right. as we get as we get people processed and as some people don't follow through, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So my email is Chris Sky 83 at Gmail. I uh, just put in the subject heading Mexican residency and uh, and how many people you're trying to apply for and make sure you qualify based on this video first. And the qualifications are number one, like I said, are financial qualifications. So mm-hmm. when you go to the, when uh, we get you the appointment or they get you the appointment at your, at your Mexican consulate in your home country, wherever that passport is, whether it's Canada, us, et cetera, they're going to ask you to show that you have at least $55,000 in the bank and it's been there for six months. So you didn't just like get someone to give it to you for this appointment because mm-hmm. a lot of people actually try to do stuff like that. Okay. Or so Chris, down does that include like investments? Like it if can you be have investments, but it can't be like a house. You can't okay. claim like, oh, I own a house. So I have 55,000 in the bank. But like if you an, have like a portfolio, a sa- if you have it in like a savings deposit, or I even had somebody that had, gold or silver bullion and a safety deposit box in the bank, mm-hmm. that's still liquid assets. Okay. So as long as the bank can give you a statement of claim showing that you have that and they stamp mm-hmm. it and verify it. So the Mexican consulate knows uh, it would either be a minimum of 55,000 in assets shown in uh, for the last six months, okay. or you have to show a $3,000 a month minimum income for okay. the last six months. Now that's either or. 
that's either or. Okay. And that, and that will allow uh, a, a husband to get a wife and child under them, et cetera. So you okay. won't have to qualify the entire family. You would just have to qualify one person in the family. Oh, okay, good. Okay. Yeah. So it works. So that, that, that also makes it easier. Um, the, the hard part is, like I said before, you could, the, you all, you have to get that first appointment in your home country and before you could get one in a couple of weeks. Now I'm speculating, even when I say four months, it might even be longer than that, mm-hmm. but it's, is it still worth it? Of course it is. And you'll never, and you'll never get it if you don't get the process started. Right. So that's the main qualification. There's a few other obvious qualifications. Like if you have a, a very long history of murdering people, they might not really <laughs> want you in the country. <laughs> And if you have any extreme religious affiliations or cult like religions, they might not want you into the country. But other than that, it's it's pretty easy that they just want to make sure that you're going to be able to look after yourself. You're going to be bringing wealth there and you're not going to be there to cause any kind of hardships or problems for the country. Right. At that, and at that point, we can we can help we can help the people that want to relocate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. OK. And um, do you want to talk about the cost for doing this or? Well, people are like, oh, I can probably get it done for cheaper. If, if we tell somebody, if, if I tell somebody the price, which I was told, which I actually had to pay extra because my wife and I, I don't know if everyone knows this. My wife's an American citizen. So she has a Canadian permanent residency, but she has an American passport. So technically, even though she was coming in under me, it made it a lot more complicated because she would technically have to go to uh, the United States, go to the Mexican consulate in the United States to apply for a Mexican visa. And then we were supposed to fly to the, uh, to Mexico together. And we ended up using the service and using some connections and what have you to legally allow her to go to a consulate in Mexico, a U.S. consulate. And they verified her identity through a barrage of documents that we had to get notarized by various attorneys and other things. So we had a really much more complicated process and an entire extra couple of steps. And I ended up paying uh, for myself and my wife. I have no problem saying this. It was uh, something like almost 14,000 US. Okay. So uh, the, the going rate, and it varies slightly depending on country, depending on lots of different factors, is around 6,000 US for a single person, 13,000 US for a married couple. And why Wait, it wouldn't it be a- less for a couple? I was just about to say, no, it's not because uh, if it's if you want to do each person individually for six thousand, then each person has to get verified themselves. Oh. They have to all do the ver- the qualifications, et cetera, et cetera. If you're going in as a couple or you're going in as a family, they have to put all the paperwork together. Only one person's getting qualified, so it becomes a more rigorous process and it, and it adds layers to the actual process. Okay. So it's actually easier to do a husband and wife individually as two separate people. If they can both qualify, Got if it. they can't both qualify, then you have no choice but to go in like that. And that's mm-hmm. why it's 13. And mm-hmm. even more, if you have different passports, like my wife and I did, mm-hmm. but 99% of people that are married don't normally do. So they don't have to worry about that. And then for each child, the cost is uh, around 5,000 US. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it comes with an upfront deposit of 50% when they get either the appointment. And then they usually ask for the other 50% after you do the first appointment. And when you go to the first appointment in your home country, you end up getting an actual Mexican visa put into your passport that allows you to show at the airport or however you're getting into the country that not only are you getting a visa to go to Mexico, but you're specifically going there to get your residency. Mm-hmm. So that, and that's how it works. Okay. And then once you go to Mexico, you do, they, they prearrange two appointments for you. They make sure the appointments are handled for you. So there's no issues because there's a lot of potential pitfalls and errors. 
and waiting times are ridiculous. Uh, but you don't have to worry about any of that with if you use a good relocation agency, which is why I did. So mm-hmm. if people complain about the cost, those aren't the kind of people we want to help. But they obviously haven't tried to get residency in any country before. Because mm-hmm. the vast majority of countries where you're trying to get residency, they want to see $150,000, $250,000 investment into their country. They want to see that you're actually going to be working there, starting a business there, et cetera, et cetera. So it's it for for uh, actually getting a residency. It's one of the cheaper places in the world to do it. And when you get there, Mexico is actually a really developed country with a lot of really nice and safe areas, mm-hmm. and it has a lot of Canadians and Americans that think and feel just like you. So, yeah, I don't yeah. know. It's very attractive. And if it wasn't <laughs> a very attractive option, it wouldn't have record numbers of people going there. In the media, they lie and pretend like all these people are coming from Mexico and sneaking into the states. No. All these people are going through Mexico. They're coming from places right. like Guatemala, Nicaragua, all mm-hmm. these really weird places in Central and South America. And they're making their way up towards the States. And guess what? That means they have to go through Mexico to get there. Right. All the people that are sneaking in from Mexico into the United States are not Mexicans, ladies and gentlemen. They're anything but. Let's just get this, get that straight. And all the people that are going into Mexico are people that are going to Mexico from first world countries with means and income. So they're going there to give their family a better, not just a better quality of life because their money goes further there, but a better quality of life because they're a little bit less worried about all the the COVID restrictions. Got it. Got it. Wow. That's interesting. I mean, I knew there were a lot of people coming up through Mexico, but I I didn't realize. And if you look at it, you'll see that they're not Mexicans. (laughs) They're, Mm -hmm. They're Central and South Americans. Mm-hmm. 90, plus, 90 plus percent of the people coming through Mexico are coming from multiple countries that are not Mexico. But the media wants to lie and pretend like it's Mexico. It's Mexico. It's Mexico not controlling their borders. But how right. well does the U.S. control their borders? <laughs> exactly. And the <laughs> not, U.S. is supposed to be a first world country with the best military and all this high tech technology and, and all this money. And they can't even uh, they can't police their borders. So how do you expect the Mexicans? Give it a rest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. But yeah, so if anybody wants to get on that list, if they qualify and they're interested, uh, just email me, chrissky83 at gmail. Uh, When I can, I'll be in touch when I'm told that they can still get appointments and they haven't changed everything. Because right now it's in like limbo. We're helping the people we can, but I don't want to take on any more people until I know I can help. Right, right. Now also, so what about other things like, do they help with... um uh uh like setting getting a bank account um, oh of know, course registering we help, a car we, all that we kind can of help stuff. With, they have the they have the they have the um the agency helps with all of that when i go back i'm getting a driver's license i'm getting a bank account down there uh they uh they're very very big into the real estate they know mm-hmm. which developers to deal with because mm-hmm. over there there's a lot, and I say a lot of fly-by-night developers, like people that just have a few bucks that came in from God knows where, and they don't know what they're doing. They don't care. They use the cheapest people. So you end up buying places uh, that sound really cheap and really good and look like they're in really good location, and the brochure is amazing. And even when the building goes up, starts going up, it starts to look it starts to look decent, and you can't tell. And then you find out it's going to be delayed 12 or 18 months, and then you find out there's this kind of problem, this kind of problem. So it's very important you, when you're if you're going to be investing in real estate down there that you know who to deal with, and most, even more importantly, who not to deal with. Right. And that's right. and they specialize in all that stuff. They even have they can pick you up from the airport, et cetera, et cetera. They 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 they, they do it like a 
very white glove service mm -hmm. where you really don't have, you can decide how much you want to do and how much you don't want to do. And if you literally won't want to do anything and just sit there, <laughs> they can make it happen. Uh-huh. Okay. And so like in buying property, does it, um, how do I say this? Is it advantageous to have a, a residency? Does it well, make any difference? Can, if you can invest and buy property, that is one of the other pathways of getting a residency in Mexico, okay. just like a lot of countries. I don't know what the exact cutoff is, but I know it's something like 150,000 American minimum investment, and they will give you a residency. Uh, the residency that you get going through the process that we offer is a temporary one that lasts for a year, which is easily renewable. It costs only $200 US to renew, and it gives you all the same, uh, basically, perks as a permanent resident. Uh, if you get a citizenship, then you have tax perks if you own and sell property. Because citizens, just like in Canada, if it's your primary residence, you won't pay capital gains tax. But if you're just a resident and you're buying and flipping property, then you do pay capital gains tax. And the amount varies on depending on how much the property was sold for. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's see if I'm hearing what you're saying correctly. So you can buy property without having uh, the residency and you... You can use the purchase of property as a way to acquire a residency. Okay. Just okay. like in many countries around the world, many European, South American, uh, island nations, they all, almost all of them offer a pathway to residency or citizenship through investment. Got it. And do you have to have a, a temporary residence card to open a bank account? Or can you just can anybody open a bank? No, account? you need it. You need to be at least a temporary resident to open a bank account or get a license down there. But if you have a license, any any international license, you can drive down there. Got it. Like okay. I don't have a, I didn't have a driver's license in Canada because they took it from me. Yeah. <laughs> like no, they took the actual card and made it so I can't get another one. But thankfully, I was smart enough to get an international license when I was in Europe. So I had an international license uh, that allowed me to drive when I'm outside of Canada. Nice. Yeah, I know. I, I always think it's funny because when you do your little videos in the car, you're always in the passenger seat. Shut up. <laughs> I just noticed things like that. That's all. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. Um, okay, this is this is really cool. I'm glad we've, we've talked about this. Now, is there anything... Um, Getting off the subject of Mexican residency. Is there yeah, any? let's go back on the subject of, of freedom fighting around the world. Okay. This weekend's yeah. the worldwide rally in two days. Okay, that's Saturday. Mm -hmm. Saturday. So I don't know what city you're in, but go to the worldwide rally in your city because they already started putting mandates back. And within a week or two weeks, they're going to be back in your schools, back in your hospitals, back on your public transit. And they're going to be trying to push it back into the restaurants and everywhere else. And then we all know what happens after that travel restrictions and more friggin' mandates. No, right. thank you. So, so this won't go up. This won't go up before Saturday. So I think we should say, I hope you all went to the worldwide rally. Oh, okay, fair <laughs> enough. I hope you all went to the worldwide rally. I'll be attending. I'm, I attended the one in Vancouver. Right. So you're going to Vancouver for, yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to that. I'm leaving for Vancouver. I'm leaving for Vancouver today. Yes, the cat's out of the bag. This was filmed on November 17th. Sorry, guys. That's okay. Okay. And so, okay, so worldwide rally, that means this should be happening everywhere. Yeah, it should be happening anywhere that was having freedom rallies. So Australia, UK, Ireland, 
Canada, U.S., Mexico, everywhere, everywhere. Braz you should see. Brazil is already. My God, I've been seeing videos of of the streets just jammed everywhere in Brazil. People are well, really... yeah, because they know it's voter fraud. And yep. speaking of voter fraud, real quick, <laughs> God. did you see what happened in Florida? This yep. is to just show everybody how 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 it's a hundred percent proof that no voter ID and mass mail in ballots are designed specifically to enable massive voter fraud. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. How can we prove it? Well, Florida just decided that you can't have mass mail-in votes and you can't and you can't vote without ID. Guess what happened? Mm -hmm. yeah. Not one Democrat mm -hmm. won in Florida for the first time since 1872. Now, is that a coincidence or does it show that in all the states where they have mass mail-in ballots and they allow you to vote without ID is designed specifically to enable illegal people that are non-citizens to vote and for people to vote multiple times, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, and I've been I've been reading they've been finding like big, huge trash bags of mail-in ballots. They found them somewhere in a dumpster. And um, and I mean, look at Arizona. You know, Carrie Lake should have won. Yeah, see, it's I'm telling you. So when and for, for people's votes, they don't they only matter to the point where you can show how fraudulent the system is. Mm -hmm. that's, but in the grand scheme of things, your vote means absolutely nothing. And that's what people like. It, it would almost it makes more sense if the vast majority of people abstain from voting. And that's why they literally do multi-billion dollar campaigns to get you to vote, because it doesn't matter who the hell you vote for. As long as you vote for somebody, it shows that you're believing in the system, you're you're perpetuating the system and you agree with the system. And the funniest thing is everybody says they're always voting for the lesser of two evils. <laughs> Why I the? have said that before. <laughs> yeah. Why are you going to vote for evil? That's like, I'm going to make you a shit sandwich or a shit sandwich on rye. Which one do you want to eat? Uh, I'm not hungry. Thanks. I know. God. Yeah. I have said that before. Wow. It's, you know, and, and I've heard I've, I've, my understanding is there are algorithms that, um, so for, for every, like every Republican vote, you know, the algorithm allots, uh, like 1.5 to a Democrat or something like that. So that I there's be, no yo, way that's how, that's what, that's when they hack the voting machines. That's what right. they do. They use algorithms just to make it seem like it's not a complete farce because they have to make it look like it's a close race. Right. Right. Of right. Of course. It, it, it's so I, what do we do, Chris? I mean, OK, so we that's know why I said don't vote. That's why it's, that's why I told all the rich people to fund my campaign to take over the PPC party so I could have Maxime Bernier step aside because he took it as far as it could. And then mm -hmm. I'd have a, a legitimate political party with all the incumbents in place and all the ridings around the country to uh, make a legitimate run for prime minister. And then guess what? This would never happen again. And as long and it wouldn't take a lot of money, it would take a couple million dollars to walk over to the PPC and say, hey, I got a couple million dollars that you guys will get to use to kickstart an election campaign and have me as a candidate. And all you have to do is vote for me to be the leader instead of Maxime Bernier, who did absolutely nothing, got only a million dollars for the last election for the entire election campaign and couldn't even win his own seat twice. Thank you very mm. much. Mm. Uh, and then we could have an actual election where guess what would happen? Because I talked to political strategists about this, and they not only do they have AI algorithms to, to fix voting machines, they mm -hmm. have AI programs to predict elections. And they use these programs mm -hmm. to run hypothetical candidates against one another. And they use one of these programs to run me against hypothetical candidates uh, for prime minister in okay. Canada. Uh -huh. And they ran me against Justin Trudeau, and guess what happened? 
Well, I hope you'd win. <laughs> I won the first super majority in the history of Canadian politics. How wow. and why? Because like before, what did we say? People always get a choice of a shit sandwich or a shit sandwich. <laughs> so what does the vast majority of people do? They don't vote. There's more people like me that have never voted in their life than there are signed up to every single political party combined. Wow. So I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, there's more non-voters than there are liberals, conservatives, greens, NDPs, etc. combined. You combine all those people, it doesn't even come close to the amount of people that are just like, screw this, I'm not voting for either of these assholes or any of these assholes. Well, guess what happens when I run? All those people that have never voted in their fucking life get off their ass and say, I'm voting for this guy because I know he's not a politician. I know he's not bought and paid for. And I know he's going to hold these pieces of garbage accountable for everything they did to me and my family. And when that happens, and I steal a little bit from the conservatives, a little bit from the liberals, etc. I win a super majority, I win enough people that I could literally remake the framework of the country, I could remake the Charter of Rights into a constitution, like the United States updated for 2022, with giving us uh, actual rights enshrined in a document that's designed to limit the powers of our federal government. That's literally being able to transform the country virtually overnight. That's the power I'd be able to bring to the country if I was elected. Wow. Just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> what do the rest of us do though? What do you think everybody, because you know, I mean, the whole everyone, COVID everyone shit. in the country, everyone in the country has got to find the wealthy people in the country to put together an escrow fund to get me to take over the PPC party. That's what everybody in the, everyone in the country should do. Everyone in the country knows people with money. They should be talking to the people with money and telling them to pay their fair share, get that money together and do it. And then when that happens, all the people that don't know what they got to do can just do what they're always done. Vote. Only this time their vote would actually matter. Right. Right. There you and go. I'm, okay. But I'm also talking about like outside of Canada, like what? Uh, outside of Canada, what, they what gotta can... the they got to do what I've been telling everybody from day one, simply do not comply. Right. Right. It's that simple. And it's getting to the point now where you can go and talk to your friends that were double and triple jab that wore the mask. They already feel stupid. They already realize that they didn't need to do all that. You're alive and well, aren't you? Mm -hmm. And you didn't do it. Yep. So they already know that they were wrong. So now when you go and talk to them and say, we forgive you for being wrong, but this has nothing to do with that. And this is going to get a lot worse. And now they're basically going to try to starve you to death. And then that person that never believed you about the master jab doesn't believe you about this. You tell them, do me a favor, save a copy of your grocery bill, your electricity bill, your gas bill, and every other bill that you pay monthly this month, and then compare it in six months, and then come and talk to me. And guess what's going to happen? All the people that, are, that have been preaching the mantra that we can comply our way through this, all we have to do is do as we say, do our fair share, do our part, and we'll get through this, they're going to realize that before their compliance just cost them their rights and their freedoms. Now their compliance is costing them money and their livelihood. And mm -hmm. nobody is going to be able to handle that. Not even the little mask wearer that took 17 jabs. If they can't feed themselves, their jabs and their masks aren't going to help them. And I guarantee you they're on a fixed income. And I guarantee you if they see that their bills in six months, the average cost of living went up 30%. Well, they didn't get a raise and they didn't get any other supplemental income. That's going to open their eyes and that's going to get them on our side. That's going to get them not only supporting, but being vocal supporters. 
Because it's one thing about being vocal when you're screaming about the mass and the jabs. They call you anti-masker. They call you anti-vaxxer. What are they going to call you when you're screaming that I can't feed my family because my grocery bill went up Mm -hmm. 3,000%? An anti-fooder? Right. So that's how you reach people. You got to tell them that they're transitioning. Yeah, you guys got propagandized. You guys got tricked. They scared you. They confused you. That's why you went along with it. We get it. But now you got to realize that they're still coming for you. And now you got to realize that they're coming for you financially. And their their new tactic is to use a global recession to put as many people under dependency of the government as possible. Because as soon as you become dependent on the government, it no longer serves you. It rules you. It's right. that simple. Right. And, and I, you know, the other thing is people that have mortgages, <clears throat> um, you know, they can, they can raise your interest rates. They can jack they up your taxes your um, so that you can't, you can't afford it. And then what, they just take your property, I guess. I mean, or no, they, that's how they get people with, uh, that's how they get people that aren't at the poverty line to support the universal basic income. Oh, right. Cause yes. they make it so you can't afford your house anymore unless you sign up for the digital ID and you get that extra money from the government every month. So now you don't have to downsize. Now you don't have to sacrifice your lifestyle. That's how they'll get all the greedy and selfish people. So at the same time, they're going to get all the poor people. They're going to get all the greedy and selfish people that get the hit and don't want to have to downsize. Because already, especially in Canada, the vast majority of people uh, have way too much debt in their houses. They pay way too much for their mortgage and they wouldn't be able to survive a 1% interest rate hike. So if Mm -hmm. that happens and there's a small, if you see a 1% interest rate hike and you see a home devaluation of 20%, from a recession, mm-hmm. you're going to see 10 to 20% of all Canadians needing to get uh, needing to downsize. And then if you tell those same 20% of Canadians needing to downsize, oh, you don't have to downsize, you can avoid that hassle, you can avoid having to show your family that you failed, you can avoid uh, giving your kids a shittier house, all you got to do is sign up to the digital ID. How many people are going to say no to that? I'm afraid a lot aren't because they aren't going to understand really the the bigger picture of what it means. They're just going to see, oh, all I got to do is give my fingerprint and my facial recognition and I can keep my house. Oh, my God, that's a no brainer. Mm -hmm. That's that's how sneaky and smart the evil people are. They know they know the greed. They know the selfishness. You saw how many people told you I had no choice to get the jab. Yeah, I needed to go. I needed to travel. Oh, really? Yeah. You needed to travel or you needed it to go to work. You couldn't have found another job. No, they just didn't want the hassle of finding another job. I knew people that worked like minimum wage part time jobs that would rather take the jab than have the than have the, 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 the hard time of going to find another minimum wage part time job. But give wow. it a rest. Meanwhile, on the other side of the coin, I knew guys that had real careers where they were making six figures plus for 25 years, had a mortgage and three kids. And when their and when their place said take the jab or else, they said go yourself, and they left. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I yeah, try, I mean, I, I've had I've had Cami Benton on a few times, and she's an MD who, and she's a single parent. She has three kids. She left, and I just talked to her the other day, and she said, you know, I'm happier, but I'm not making anywhere near as much money as as you know my peers, but I'm happier, and she's working on. Uh, you know, an alternative uh, healthcare system. Oh, and there's another, and well, there's another thing for all the people that didn't give in. Ask any one of those people, whether they sacrificed their job, their career, et cetera. Do you regret it? And do you wish you took the jab instead? Not one of them will say they regret it. Now go ask 10 people that took the jab and gave you an excuse 
do you regret taking the jab? Nine out of 10 or seven, seven, at least seven out of 10 will say they did. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially those who have had reactions or have had family members and friends die suddenly. Yeah, exactly. I saw a 13 year old kid who died suddenly while trying out for his basketball team. Ah. Well, every and, day I see a new child that died suddenly, Yep. but they have I no know. idea that caused it. Everything in the world caused it. Yeah. I did this experiment. You should try it. And your, your viewer, your listeners should try it. Okay. Go to Google and type in died suddenly or increases. No, this is the better one. Increases risk of heart attack, or that's what you should try. Okay. Increases risk. Just type in increases risk of heart attack and click news articles. Watch how many articles around the world will start to show you all the new ways that you're going to give yourself a heart attack. The most ridiculous shit you've ever seen in your life, like sleeping in the wrong position. I was going to say that one. Yeah. Oh my God. (laughs) Napping during the day, sitting too long at work, traffic noise while at work, video games, roller coasters, virtually anything you can think of, drinking, smoking, marijuana, now increases your risk of heart attack or stroke. Meanwhile, when children are dying of it, they still don't really have an excuse. They just say they died suddenly and were baffled. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. That's, so, I love the baffled. Every, yeah. They're so baffled, baffled that all these people just keep dying the exact same way. What's the common denominator? They're all vaccinated with this bioweapon. Oh, but we're completely baffled. Mm-hmm. I know. Anyway, I know. It's. And now people are ready to go at it again. I see people ready to wear on the mask. I see pe- more people wearing the mask, even yep. in Alberta. It's absolutely terrifying. Yeah, like, I know. Same here. Realize that we're in a cycle, a perpetual cycle that they're not going to be able to get out of by complying. I think the pe- that some people secretly like the mask because they like the idea of other people being forced to do something they don't want to do because these are the kind of people that never really got what they wanted in life. They were passed over for their promotion. They never, they never got the date with the girl. These are all the bitter people of society. So not Mm -hmm. only do they like wearing the mask because they hide their identity. They like that all the people that don't want to wear the mask have to, because they are getting a little bit of satisfaction. That's how sick our society is. And I see that in Canada. I see that in Canada pretty much more than anywhere else in the world. And I've been all over the world. I've been to over 40 countries around the world and Canadians, in my opinion, are the most immature and the most selfish people in, in the, in the world. I'm going to have to go out on a limb and say that as a, as, wow. a, as a collective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you go to the Philippines, people are so nice and so sweet and they love their family. And that's all they care about is their family. You go to Mexico. They're, they're the same way. They're very traditional, even in the United States, it's superficial but the people still care about each other to an extent and they stand mm-hmm. up for each other and they stand up for their country. You come to Canada. When I literally went back to Toronto, there was a story, uh, there was this, uh, and I was going to speak there the mm-hmm. day before I got there, the big story in the news was there was a woman who was dead on the road, on the sidewalk. And she was dead there for over 24 hours with people literally stepping over her <gasps> or anybody decided they should call like a police officer or ambulance. I don't understand that. Hours. I think how many hundreds, if not thousands of people at least saw that woman dead on the road and not one person even stopped to check if she was alive, let alone try to help her. That is, that's, that's that's Canada. And then then you wonder, and then the only reason the trucker convoy happened was it was all the rural people in Canada. It wasn't Mm. the people in Toronto and Vancouver all going over there. It was the people from all the rural parts of Canada that finally got together and descended upon Ottawa. And that's why when I go speak, 
I focus more on the rural areas than I do the big cities because mm-hmm. the big cities have millions and millions of people, but the vast, vast majority of them are so brainwashed by the rat race where they can barely make their rent every month that they don't care about anything else. Mm-hmm. And it's actually really, it's actually really it's disheartening. Sad. Yeah, it, it's, it's sad and disheartening because yeah. they have so much that those cities that are so, that are so well controlled and so well manipulated have so much authority over the rest of the country and right. they don't represent any of that. Right. Yeah. And that happens in the States too. The big cities have the control over the more rural areas in their States. Chris, do you think if people really understood that it uh, within 20 minutes, the inside of that mask is a friggin' Petri dish that you're breathing in. Do you think people would still wear the mask if they really understood that? What we should do and what we should do is show people what a mask looks like under a microscope for bacteria Mm -hmm. after they've worn it for a half hour. Mm -hmm. And when they see all the shit that's crawling all over that, all over their face, going up their nose, going in their mouth, getting stuck in their beard, et cetera, that could probably turn some people off. But the vast majority of people are wearing the mask because they're too afraid of the confrontation. They don't want to wear it. They know it's disgusting, but they'll put up with it because they're pussies. It's that simple. <laughs> if you're a man and you're in a mask, you're a friggin' pussy. Well, you're afraid to walk into Shoppers Drug Mart and buy and buy your uh, your soy latte from Starbucks without the mask on because someone might yell at you. That's a man in Canada right now. Wow. He'll put on his mask to walk into Starbucks to buy his venti soy latte, and he'll call himself a man. And wow. then he'll look at someone like me and scoff. Well, I'm in my tank top and mask free, (laughs) drinking a fucking normal coffee. I did have somebody uh, yell at me in Safeway. This was at least a year ago. And I just, I stood up to her. I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to take it. I I guess what? You're a woman. And that's what I see is 90% (laughs) of the time someone's standing up. It's a woman. Why? Because all the men in Canada are the weakest in the world. And I say that with conviction. I've been all over the world. Canadian men are the weakest in the world, period, wow. period, without, without, without question. We have been so propagandized, so demasculinated. Just go walk around Toronto and look at the average man. His legs are skinnier than his girlfriend's. His arms are skinnier <laughs> than his girlfriend's. His girlfriend's the one that's expected to protect them if somebody tries to mug them. And, <laughs> and he'll, he'll want his girlfriend to pay half the bill for their $20 lunch. <laughs> There you go. That's that's that that's that's the definition of a Canadian man in 2022. Oh Buys my god! Easier than his girlfriend's if he even has one, and wants her to pay half the bill after she after she after she defends them from the muggers. Okay, guys, go. man up! <laughs> Everybody has to stand up. Everybody has to man up. We all have to put our big boy and our big girl pants on. It's true, but the reality is, if this is a society of strong men the women wouldn't have to put their big boy pants on. That's Mm. the reality. And that's how it's supposed to be. A woman's not supposed to be the one fighting for her family. It's supposed to be the husband protecting the women, the women protecting the children. Why? Because we're bigger. We're stronger. Mm -hmm. We have Mm -hmm. something called testosterone. I don't give a shit how many movies they show of Charlize Theron beating up (laughs) men after men after men. In reality, that's not happening. There's never been an army of females warriors to go and beat up men ever and there never will be because you guys are genetically inferior physically 
It's that simple. It's that simple. There's no female army. You're not the ones that are supposed to be fighting. If you're a woman and you're the one that's fighting for your family, it's because you settled for a man that wasn't a man. And you settled for it. Most of you settled for it because you wanted to be in control because you like the idea of being able to control your man. You like wanting to wear the pants. You wanted to be in charge because society told you that makes you a strong and amazing woman and one to look up to your entire life. You've been programmed to try to take over the male role. And you've been programmed to like the idea of having a submissive male until the shit hits the fan like it did with COVID <laughs> and you find out your husband's an absolute pathetic bitch. And now all you women that chose men like that are the ones that are not wearing the mask and arguing with your husband. And you're the ones coming and crying to me saying how you need to get a divorce. Or you're the ones coming and crying to me saying how you lost your kids to your husband because he wants them jabbed. And that's like the only way a woman will lose custody of her children besides being a crackhead in this day and age. If she decides she doesn't want them COVID jabbed and, this, and she's got a mask wearing beta male husband that does, guess what? The courts are gonna side with him because he's the submissive piece of garbage that you decided to marry because you were afraid to have a real man because he might cheat on you. Well, I've <laughs> also seen the courts decide in the woman's favor when she wants to get them jabbed and he doesn't. So That's my point. The yeah. goal with whoever <laughs> wants to get them jabbed. I use the yep. example of going with the man because in, in uh, child cases, 90% of the time they go with the women anyway, unless they can prove some type of abuse or something else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But yeah, in this case, they'll go against the woman if she's an anti-vaxxer and they'll go with the husband. Right. That's the point. So, ladies, you shouldn't have chose the betas. And if you did, <laughs> how about you stop banging him until he takes the friggin' mask off? How about that? That would work. <laughs> probably. But he probably doesn't even want sex anyway because he's a beta male. So maybe that won't work. I don't know. Maybe stop cooking for him. I don't I don't, I don't know what you got to do. But you got to take away something from him because he's not doing his part. Is that simple? Oh, you're making me laugh. Oh my I'm God. trying to make you laugh. That's my idea. It's supposed to be funny because it's true. Oh, yeah. My husband's good at making me laugh too. I I, I need it. He, he, I bet your husband doesn't wear a mask, does he? No, no, he doesn't. Thank you very much. No. Thanks for proving my friggin' point. <laughs> my wife just asked if she wore a mask when I divorced her. The answer is yes. Yes, immediately. <laughs> I made her go into that appointment for the blood test. I'm like, you're not wearing a freaking mask in there. I'm like, here's your exemption. Go tell them. Well, at our hospital, they have a room where you can go if you refuse to wear a mask. Well, they give you the naughty room? That's awesome. Yeah, the naughty room. And um, the first time I went, the nurse who let me in was really nice. The one who actually drew the blood, I have to say she was a bitch. And, and as a nurse myself, I feel like I can say that. And then the second time I went, everybody was really nice. We had night, you know, yapping away and talking about things and, and it was fine. It was very relaxed. Yeah. They, at least they do have a separate place where you can go. If you won't wear I think they, they do that is already discriminatory and ridiculous right. in the first place. Right. But at least I don't have to put a mask on. So, and that's why I don't have a family doctor to go to doctors or hospitals. The only way you'll find me in a hospital is if I broke something and I need it reset or something mm. got cut off and I need it reattached. <laughs> yeah, I think with my family doctor, the clinic, I think they do require a mask, but I do. I've been doing everything remotely, so I don't have to because I'm not I, if I have to go in, I won't wear a mask. So no friggin way. Yeah, I, just, I won't even wear a mask in jail. So I don't think they're going to get me to wear a mask anywhere else. <laughs> 
Oh, that's funny. Okay. Well, do you have anything else you want to share before we wrap up here? <laughs> yes, I do actually. And this is very important. Okay. The reason they're trying to bring back, well, obviously everyone knows the reason they're trying to bring back the mandates, but their primary objective for this holiday season, listen carefully, ladies okay. and gentlemen, is to make sure that you do not get a normal Christmas with your friends and family. The last thing they want is anti-maskers and anti-vaxxers joining the party and laughing and playing with everybody and cracking jokes about how stupid everybody was. Because then not only does it bring everybody together when they want everybody divided, it's going to have a psychological impact on all those people that wore the mask and took the jabs. And it's going to reinforce the idea that they got played, they got lied to, and that they really didn't need to do that. And they're going to be far less likely to comply with any further mandates or any further vaccination campaigns. Now, this, mm -hmm. even if they weren't planning mandates, would cost big pharma billions and billions of dollars in sales because thanks to COVID, they're bringing out all these wonderful new vaccines that they mm -hmm. plan on marketing over the next year, including the RSV vaccine, which is oh, why God. you're only hearing about RSV for the first time in your life now, unless you were a mother that had a child with RSV. Why is it so popular now? It's not. It's always been there, the exact same, except now they have a brand new vaccine that they want to inject into pregnant mothers. So this is their new marketing campaign. So- what they're going to do is they're going to try to do as much fear mongering as possible. So all the maskers and jabbers are too afraid to have unmasked and unjabbed Christmas. So they won't invite their anti-masker or anti-vaxxer friends or, or family members or tell those friends and family members that they can't come unless they're unjabbed or vaxxed. That way they can keep the friggin' hysteria going. They can keep the division going. They can keep the hopelessness going and they can prevent the united non-compliance that we fostered over the last two years. So watch the media. You don't might not believe me. Watch mm -hmm. the media. Mm -hmm. It's already starting with the masking bullshit right now. It's already starting with telling people to stay home if they feel sick. The next step is going to start telling people that they should be starting to do mini quarantines before Christmas time. And then it's going to start telling people to slowly trim people out that might not really need to be there. Get it? And they're going to mm -hmm. keep going and mm -hmm. keep going to by the time we get to December, they're going to tell you they only want you with your own social circle four people and, and don't tell people over unless they're vaxxed or masked and make sure you take notes of everybody who came to your house. Trust me, they're <laughs> going to go into fear mongering overload over the next month. And the primary reason is to ensure you don't have a normal Christmas with your family and friends. So what do you do? Have a normal, merry fucking Christmas with your family and friends. Turn yes. off your TV. Yep. Invite everybody over. Get a turkey dinner, get the presents under the tree, get some singing going, drink some booze if you like it. But whatever you do, do not listen to the government who has lied to you about every single thing, virtually for your entire life, but definitely in the last two years. Mm -hmm. And you would be much better off if you've done the exact opposite of every single thing they've told you to do since the start of COVID. Nobody can refute that. So right. please, for me, all you need to do to make this go away and to make things get so much better is to have a normal, happy, Merry Christmas or whatever holiday you celebrate with your family and friends. That's all I can say. And that's how we got to end this. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, divide and conquer is what they're trying to do. Don't let them do it. Don't that's let right. the psychopaths do it. That's right. It's all about united non-compliance and now the people know the people have been trained all around the world to just say no 
Remember, the new hashtag is just say go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to. That's okay. <laughs> oh, man. And I'm getting okay. calls from other, other shows producers. I guess, uh, what is it? Everybody wants me on their show all of a sudden. Okay. Wow. Wow. Awesome. Well, that's yeah, I'm going to be on InfoWars again next week, actually, too. Oh, great. Good. Good for you. Okay. Well, wow, Chris, thank you so much. I sincerely, you know, you, you stand up, you speak the truth for all of us. You, you say what many are thinking, but you know, maybe don't, don't have the guts to say themselves. So you speak for many of us, hopefully more and more, um, as time goes on, you speak for more and more people. The podcast website is realjanine.com and Janine is J-A-N-E-A-N. Please consider subscribing through your favorite podcast provider. And please, please share this conversation with your family and friends. This one really is important. Not that all the others aren't, but this one really is important right now. And remember, you can find video slideshows of all my conversations on BitChute and Rumble. I have, uh, you know, gone away from YouTube because they gave me a hassle. So screw uh, them. <laughs> if you posted me on YouTube, your whole channel would have been gone instantly. Yeah, yeah. I just, I left all the old stuff up and I don't use it anymore. So please share this important conversation with your family and friends. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Take care and be well. And thank you so much, Chris. Thank you. Okay. Bye, everyone. Bye.